Would you pray with me? Most gracious God, we are grateful for your grace. We're grateful for your presence. I pray, Lord, today that as we come to worship today, we would not miss that opportunity to open our heart to a fresh anointing of your spirit, a filling of your spirit, Lord, of your grace, of that reminder that as we confess our sins together, as we did a moment ago, that, Lord, your grace is sufficient. Whatever we brought with us into this room today, we can lay it at your feet and be freed from it by the grace of Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you for that promise of life in a world of existence. Today, Lord, as we continue to talk about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus and how we learn to do that in community, I pray that you would pour upon me the gift of preaching, that my very frail and broken and human words might, by the power of your Spirit, become your living word, uniquely crafted for each and every one of our hearts. We pray this with great confidence, for we pray it in the name of the risen and the reigning Christ. Amen. Well, as we continue to walk through the 12th chapter of Romans in our It Is Well With My Soul series, today I want to return to the theme of spiritual training. Although I haven't framed every sermon that way, simply trying to be a disciple doesn't work. Spiritual training is required. And like most training, it's best done together in community. As we considered community last week, we learned a central tenet to spiritual training. Not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought, but rather think of ourselves with sober judgment. In accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of us. In other words, as we train spiritually, we grow in our faith. And as we do, arrogance, self-centeredness, recedes. And humility takes center stage. This is a fundamental step in discipleship. Um, I, too, have been listening to a Lectio 365 app, the, the one that Brian referred to. I've been listening to it every day. I've come to really rely upon it. It's about a 10-minute audio um, devotion, and it helps me get spiritually centered in the day. This is what the icon looks like um, right there. And you can download it. It's in the App Store on Apple or Google or any of that. It's free. Um, I just encourage you to experiment with it. Um, I've really been moved by it. As you could tell, Brian has been too. I was listening to that app this week when they highlighted and commented on Hebrews 10, 23 to 25, which is all about training in community. Here's what that verse says. It says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The writer is urging Christians to be disciplined in our training not to give up meeting together, but rather committing to train together so that we can encourage one another toward love and good deeds. The Greek word for encourage is parakaleo. I have to say this morning as I was thinking about this, you know, pastors are so regularly doing this, aren't we? We always go, well, the Greek 
is. And uh, it got me thinking about the big fat Greek wedding. I don't know if you've seen that movie. And Gus, who says that every English word comes from a Greek word, Windex, you name it. It's all Greek to me. Anyway, so I just was thinking about that this morning. It made me laugh. Uh, you know, kind of ruined my whole move that I make here when I go to the Greek. It's always in the back of my mind. Um, Perokaleo, which also, by the way, is the same word used when Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit coming. Uh, the paraclete, that's the same word. And that's that. So when you read this, this is not only what... Um, they are encouraging us to do, right? To encourage one another is to do this, but also this is what the Spirit does, right? It consoles to encourage and strengthen by consolation, to comfort, to instruct, to teach. Uh, the host of the Lectio 365 that day commented on, on the word encourage this way. He said, when we meet together with other Christians, we can encourage, comfort, strengthen one another, We listen to what's going on in each other's lives and we say, come on, you can do this. I love that, right? That's encouragement. Encouragement is a key reason why it's better to train in community than alone. And in today's passage, Paul is saying, encourage one another to embrace love that is sincere. That's the first part of this verse. The word sincere comes from the Greek, anupokritos. And the A at the front of that word is a negative prefix, meaning without, right? Without hupokrinomai. This Greek word, from where we get the word hypocrite, is a combination of hupo, under, indicating secrecy, and krino, to judge. It is literally without play acting, without playing the part, or without hypocrisy. In Vine's complete expository dictionary of the Old and New Testament words, it has this definition of the root word, hopokrino, or hypocrite. It, it means a stage actor. It was a custom for Greek and Roman actors to speak in large masks with mechanical devices for augmenting the force of the voice. Hence, the word became used metaphorically of a dissembler or a hypocrite. Right? So a person who's fake. Right, hiding behind the mask. So literally, what Paul is saying, right, is a love that is sincere is a love that is maskless. Paul is saying this is what we encourage one another toward in our spiritual training. To be mature enough to remove the masks that we hide behind. Then, as the scripture says, your love will be sincere without masks. You will hate what is evil, cling to what is good. You will be devoted to one another in love. You will honor one another above yourselves. You will never be lacking in zeal, but keeping your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. You will be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. You will share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Just stop and think for a minute what it would be like to be around people all the time whose lives are filled with this kind of sincere love, right? That this is the way that they live out their lives, putting others before themselves, regularly joyful in hope and patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. It naturally draws you to them, doesn't it? 
Why? Because when we live this way, those around us are experiencing the kingdom of God. These are the traits of the kingdom of God. And every single human being on this planet, God created to be drawn to that kingdom. When we behave and live our lives in that way, it draws people unto us and ultimately unto God. Yet, if I'm honest with myself, I know Paul is right. Sincere or maskless love is difficult to attain. For my natural state is less sincere love and more sin-filled selfishness. That's why uh, lives that look like this are so rare in the church because sin, I don't know if you know this, but sin is in the church. Yeah, you and me, you get it, we're all here. Sin is in the church, and by its very nature, sin takes the sincere right out of our love. And when that happens, our witness to the world is lost. Tish Harrison Warren, who's a rector in the Anglican Church, gives this example. She says, in the news and on social media, God usually shows up when we are fighting about something. But when we primarily talk about God in the context of political or ideological debate, believers' actual experience of God, worship and faith, not to mention spiritual virtues like humility, gratitude, and kindness, often gets lost. God becomes merely another pawn in the culture wars, a means to a political end. I don't know about you, but I've experienced that a lot in the last few years within myself and certainly in the culture, the Christian culture around me. When you read this, it resonates because of that, I think. When God becomes one more weapon that we wield, sincere love is lost. This is not what being joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer looks like. In contrast, when our love is sincere... How we see and represent God is transformed. We no longer use God in selfish ways, but rather we are more sensitive to the needs of others. Tish Harrison Warren continues. She says, churches and other religious groups must continually highlight how our traditions address pressing issues that will never trend on Twitter or dominate political debates. Problems like loneliness, despair, Conflict in families, disappointment, grief, longing, loss, and those all-too-human anxieties and insecurities that keep us up at night. It makes sense that the church would be sensitive in this way to others, coming alongside them in their loneliness and despair, because that's exactly what Jesus did. And as the body of Christ... God calls us to do the same. So what's the key to staying spiritually in shape? You may remember, after sweeping the Mariners, the Astros had a few extra days rest before facing the Yankees. Dusty Baker, the manager, made the comment that he was worried their extra time down could be a problem. For when highly trained athletes pause from playing and training... They can lose some of their finely tuned rhythms and skills. Of course, this time that didn't happen. The Astros ruthlessly swept the Yankees. But I do think there's a truism here. When a person is in training, 
There is a healthy rhythm of activity and rest that is found. So you can't keep, you can't take too much time down or you will lose some of what you've trained to do. And many of us in the church have found ourselves having had too much downtime spiritually. In the past few years, between all the ugly divisiveness and the resulting fear of being called out or canceled, along with the isolation we've all experienced during COVID, many of our spiritual training routines have been interrupted. And we've gotten, honestly, a bit spiritually flabby. As a result, we've lost some of our spiritual fervor, and our masks tend to come back up. And the truth is, this too is part of life, a part of being human. We all get out of shape sometimes. To, be, to perfectly do what Paul is exhorting us to do, to live that kind of sincere love life, to commit to spend our entire lives in spiritual training and live lives marked by today's passage, it's unattainable. We can't do it all the time. And God knows this. He knows our limitations. And his grace is sufficient when we fail. What God demands of us is to never give up. Even if we are extremely out of shape spiritually, we get back up and we try again. And that's why we need to keep meeting together. That's why we're trying to get us together in home groups. That's why we're trying to begin to build a deeper, more connected community. We need to encourage one another, to cheer one another on toward love and good deeds. Here's the message version of what that kingdom life looks like. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. This is the DNA of the church. This is what Jesus' life looked like. And as his disciples, this is what our lives should look like. And it stands in sharp contrast to the grandiose yet ultimately empty promises that our world makes. Such promises are like the ones a carnival barker makes as he convinces you to sacrifice good money to see dead aliens just behind the curtain. May God give us eyes that see the world's promises for what they are so that in faith we can repent and turn to Jesus that we may receive the sincere, maskless love that he offers. Because God wants his church's love to be sincere so that our lives embody his kingdom in a way that a very lost world can see and understand. For that is what an it is well with our soul life looks like. And it's what you need, and it's what I need, and it's what the world needs more than ever. And so here's my challenge. Don't just try to be a disciple of Jesus. Train for it. 
Find a spiritual community that spurs one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as so many of us busy people are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You've got this. Keep going. You can do it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.